You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. This month we want to, we want to spend some time talking about Christian devotion. Second Peter chapter 1. We are reading from verse 3 to verse 9. Second Peter chapter 1. This month, we want to take time to talk about spiritual devotion. What it means, what it entails. What does spiritual growth look like? What exactly is spiritual growth? Some of us We've had the question in our hearts. For some of us, it hasn't even crossed your mind at all. But what exactly is spiritual growth? What does it look like? Do I know that I'm growing as a Christian when I can see angels talk in other tongues? You know, have you heard some fresh tongues before? There's the speaking tongues, like you sprinkled salt on the thing. It's very smooth. Yeah. Is that, is that when I know that I... I am grown spiritually. How do I know that I am growing spiritually? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and what? And virtue. Verse 4. He says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through what? Lost. He says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith what? Add to your faith what? And to virtue, knowledge. Next verse. And he says, and to knowledge, and to temperance, and to patience. All right, verse 7. And to kindness. Verse 8. He says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall, you shall neither be what? Nor what? Unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it is possible to receive Jesus and be barren in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand? It is possible to have received Christ and he says, and be unfruitful. Which means that spiritual growth happens when you bear fruit as a Christian. He says, please go back. He says, for if these things be in you and abound, he says, they make it so that you will not be barren or unfruitful. Which means that if these things are not in you, then we can conclude that you are barren and unfruitful. It says, to your knowledge, add virtue. To virtue, kindness, brotherly love, charity, patience, temperance. He says, if these things be in you, he says, and, and they are bound, then you will not be unfruitful. You will not be barren. It reminds me of a story in the book of Matthew, in, while Jesus was on the earth, is the story of the fig tree. Do you know that story? 
Yeah, but there's a less common story about the fig tree. I think it's in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, 6 to 9. This is actually not the story, but a parable that Jesus spoke about a fig tree. He spoke also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Next verse. He said, then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. He said, Cut it down, why come breath it out? Next verse. He said, And he answered said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So what Jesus told this parable to illustrate was that God expects fruits of the believer. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. God is an investor. And like every investor, he expects return on investment on every investment made. And so if um, Jesus, the Holy Spirit was put in your heart and within you was deposited the life of God, God expects fruit fruits of every believer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, you can be like this fig tree and so much is done. You are being watered every day but there's no fruit. So, what then is spiritual growth? Write this down. Spiritual growth is partnering with the Spirit of God to conform with the life of God. Spiritual growth is partnering with the Spirit of God to conform to the life of God. I'll say it one more time. Spiritual growth is partnering with the Spirit of God to conform to the life of God. So, all of those things that um, Peter listed in um, 2 Peter chapter 1, virtue, kindness, charity. Who else they appear in the Bible? Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, faithfulness, gentleness, peace, um, um, meekness. And he measures all of them, and he calls them the fruits of the Spirit. Which means that when the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, the first thing he does is he bears those fruits in your heart. Do you get it? He bears the fruit in your heart. So there is love in your spirit. There is joy in your spirit. Spiritual growth is partnering with the Holy Spirit to make sure that this life that I live conforms to that life that is already inside of me. Are you, get, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, so you have Jesus' disciples who at this point didn't even have the Holy Ghost in them, but they had Jesus. And then they went into a city to preach. And they had finished preaching. They chased them out of the city. They came out, they turned to Jesus, said to Jesus, Let us call down fire on this city. And Jesus said, You don't know what spirit you are of. So there was an expectation that Jesus had of his disciples that because you have been with me and because I have sent you in my spirit, there is a particular way your life must be lived. It is called bearing fruit. Huh? 
Have you ever heard this statement before? By their fruits you shall know them. Do you know who made the statement? It was Jesus. So you know that thing that people say on social media that don't judge me, only God can judge. Jesus begs to differ. He says, because when I see the fruits you bear, I know where you belong to. When the Pharisees, when they came to Jesus and then they called him, they were disturbing him. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Why could he say such things? Because when I see the fruits you bear, I know where you belong to. Do you get what I am saying? It is possible. I can look at the way a man lives his life, regardless of everything he says, and I'll say, oh, this person is not a Christian. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That is spiritual growth. Partnering with the Holy Spirit to make sure that the life you live conforms to the life of God that is in you. I've often told you, um, God is working in you both to will and to do. But it doesn't matter how much God is working in you to will and to do. If you don't do, it will not be done. Does that make sense? If you don't do, it will not be done. Which means that there is a level of partnership that must occur between you and the Spirit of God. If you don't forgive, it doesn't matter how much love the Holy Ghost has shed abroad in your heart. If you don't forgive, the person you did not forgive will not be forgiven. Is that true? You must partner with the Holy Spirit to forgive. You must partner with the Holy Spirit to walk in love. You must partner with the Holy Spirit to live in peace. This is why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that even if I speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels, but I have not love, he says I'm like a loud sounding cymbal. Because many of the yardsticks that we use to measure spiritual growth are actually secondary. The primary means of measurement we oftentimes neglect. Let me tell you something. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Is that correct? It says, in my name they shall cast out devils. Is that correct? Oh, so that means that casting out devils is not a sign of spiritual growth necessarily. It is a sign that you believed. Do you get it? Ah, so if a person reads this scripture, he didn't believe in Jesus before, and he believes immediately. Do you know that the one who just believed in Jesus can turn around, meet a demon-possessed person, and cast that devil out? He's not grown yet, but he's already casting out devils. The problem is this. A lot of us measure spiritual maturity with all of those things. Or more, if, when he just entered like these demons, checking out left and right. And so we have a lot of people who are very exceptional with spiritual things, but babies. We, we oftentimes judge spiritual maturity by how much scripture he can quote. That almost every time he's talking, just used to, the way he just used to enter Bible from this verse to this verse. He's a walking Bible. doesn't mean he's spiritually mature. Do you hear me? Yeah. doesn't mean he or she is spiritually mature. If you hear his tongues, you know there's some people that when they pray in tongues, you know the entire reason, I don't know about you, but this song, this Zoe song, 
by Odu. The entire reason I like that song is his tongues. It sounds like an entire new language. I'm like, my God. I'm envious. Why can't I speak like this? It's not the same Holy Ghost. Some people, when, they, when you hear them pray in tongues, to pray with hungry. Both of you are praying in the same prayer meeting. No? But once they start to just say, ah, there are realms. I need to pray more. We shall yet be praying. <laughs> and so you, you judge spiritual maturity with all of those things. Listen, how many of you have ever read God's generals? Raise your hand. Especially the blue. Did you ever stop to wonder how it was that men like John Alexander Dowie, men like, um, is it Charles Parham, these men did William Brenham. They did all these mighty works for God, but they were living in error. How many of you, or you see online, you see that, oh, there is this pastor who he has been living in some type of scandal or living with some types of contradictions in his life, but he has all these miracles. And then you wonder, how can he do all these miracles while living in this? Raise your hand if you've ever had this question. The reason is this. God has given the gifts to be used by babies. Do you understand? So the man might be extremely skilled at the use of the gift of the spirit, but not be a mature person spiritually. And this is, this is the problem. Because we judge by this yardstick, a lot of us, we end, especially those of us who are unfortunate, forgive my language, to be in ministry. You judge your growth by how much miracles you see. I, I still see vision now. So it doesn't matter whether you are growing or not. Your visions and your word of care, they are accurate. And so you think that you are still on the right track. It's true. No one I'm saying it's true. You must partner. There's a partnership that must occur between you and the Holy Ghost to make sure that you see this life that I have inside. We sing it, um, this life that I have. is That life. It must work out. It, it must come out. This is what Paul says. That just as you have obeyed in my absence, um, in my presence, he says, obey also in my absence. He says, work out your salvation. This is not working to get salvation. But there is a salvation that has been put inside of you. Work it out. Let us see it. Let it show. Otherwise, you are not growing. Do you hear me? Good. In Philemon chapter 1 verse 6, um, Paul was speaking to Philemon. What happened? There was this guy called Onesimus. How many of you have read the book of Philemon before? Raise your hand. Very good. Drop your hands. There was this guy called Onesimus. He used to be a servant with Philemon. What did Onesimus do? Onesimus stole Philemon's TV and his radio and fridge. And he ran he was a houseboy. But well, he stole his TV, his radio, and fridge, and ran away with all of those things and went to sell them. Then Philemon came back and was like, where's my TV? And then Onesimus is not around, so he put two and two together that this guy stole my stuff. And now Onesimus hears that Philemon is looking for him, so he runs away. And then years later, Paul catches him. And then Paul takes him through proper discipleship. He changes and now he's a loving man of God. But that doesn't bring back Philemon's TV. 
So Philemon is still upset. Now Paul wants to send Onesimus back to Philemon to go and talk to Philemon. And then Paul sends Onesimus with a letter. So before you shout, read this letter first. And then in the letter, he says this. He says that the communication of your faith will become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So what Paul was telling Philemon here is this. I want you to communicate the faith that you have received. But that communicating of the faith that you have received will only be done when you realize that there are good things that were given to you. In other words, forgive because you were forgiven. Partner with the Holy Spirit to make sure that the realities that that the Holy Spirit put inside of you, they are worked out. We are going for effectiveness. Say effectiveness. Good. And so, spiritual growth is not, you know how in the university you have three unit courses, two unit courses, one unit course. Spiritual growth is a six, in fact it's the university, it's the entire reason you are in school. The entire reason you are in church is spiritual growth. Make no mistakes, I think this is where the problem is. A lot of us think that we are in church to have our needs met, no! The entire reason you are in church, the entire reason we gather like this, the Bible says for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, it says till we come to the unity of the faith, it says to the mature stature of the, of the image of Christ. Maturity is the entire reason God gave you ministry gifts. Ephesians chapter 4. Do you follow? The entire reason I am your pastor is progress and joy. Are you getting it? Spiritual growth. Look at it. We all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That word perfect is mature. Unto a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness. See, God's standard for you is the fullness of Christ. Do you get what I'm saying? When, listen, God's plan for you is not that you will be Christ-like 30%. Or, you know how in our university, 70% is A. No, in this course, A starts at 100%. Do you get it? God's plan is the fullness of Christ. As he is, so are we. That's God's plan. And so, all our life, all our work as Christians should be to measure up to this. And there are two things that drive spiritual growth. Two things. Number one is desire. Number one is desire. And number two is routine. Sounds very, very out of place. Or desire and routine or religion, whatever you want to write, or custom, whatever you want to write. But desire and routine, those are the two things that drive spiritual growth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. First Peter 2, 2. Everybody look to the screen and read First Peter 2, 2 together. One, two, go. It says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow 
Listen. The word desire there is not just, oh, I want you to want it. No. Have you seen a baby cry for food before? It's one of the most unignorable sounds in the world. Unignorable is a word. How many of you have raised children before? And then the child starts to cry for food. You can't ignore it, even if you want to. The child desperately wants that food. He says, as newborn babes, he says, desire. There is the part of desire in spiritual growth. I think that the problem is a lot of us no longer desire. You must desire it. There is no other option. Do you follow? Yes. He says, um, this is the way David puts it. He says, as the deer pants for the waters, so my soul longs after you. How, if you watch, if you watch um, all of those documentaries, you see a deer run to the river, and then the deer bends his head into the river and starts to drink water, and in that moment, nothing else matters. His focus is in the water, because his entire head is in the water. Do you get it? Yes. That's what David says. That's the way his, your soul should pant after God. Listen, let me tell you something. This is why we are very, very particular about correcting mindsets that teach us to come to God because of things we can gain from God. Because if I come to God because of what I can gain from God, then I didn't come to God for God, I came to God for things. It's just like people who say, I have found the secret to kingdom prosperity. It is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. But if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God because of all these other things, then I'm not seeking first God. I'm seeking first these other things, and God is the means to get them. And so, if as a Christian... You will, you will grow. You must learn to look for God for God. I know we said it was your year of God-fidence. I know we prophesied all these wonderful things about your year. But how about you leave that aside for a moment and turn to God for the sake of God? God alone. God is everything. Nothing else. Nothing else matters. Just God. Desire. If you don't have, if you don't have desire, you can't grow spiritually. You can't. You can't. You can't. You come. You come to church. The entire reason why, in the in the in the Bible, you find Jesus teaching people for three days straight. Without food was desire, not his own, their own. In our generation, if a pastor keeps a church for two days, you know it will trend on the news. It will trend. And you will see all types of comments. And then chief of those comments would be, I'm a Christian, no, but I don't subscribe to this. 
You are telling me something. You are revealing a problem. There's no desire in your heart. None, none, none at all. We call for prayer meetings and then accept, you know, and this is not one of those churches and I'm thankful for it. But some of you growing up in some places, the only prayers that carried any kind of heat were prayers like the ones we prayed this morning when I came up. That Father, exempt us from kidnappers. Then you will hear the noise. But let's pray for prisoners in the prison. In fact, when you start hearing those type of prayers, you know they want to wrap up the prayers because prisoners, pregnant women, hospital, all of them, five minutes. But your destiny, 30 minutes. And so, what God intended to be for communication has turned to a tool for making things happen alone. What kind of relationship would that be? I mean, you are dating someone and all he does is ask you for things. Can we spend time talking? Not really. But do you have, have you seen 2K for your aunt? What kind of relationship would that be? Say desire. Good. Without desire, there is no spiritual growth. He says, through desire, I'm sorry, he says, but as newborn babies, he says, desire the sincere milk of the world that you may grow thereby. He wants you to be hungry for it. Where is your hunger? When was the last time that without problems coming up, you just decided I would take time to pray and fast? I just want to fellowship with God. I, I need to take time to pray. Not that, oh, you know, many of us, when we know that we are going to take time to pray and fast is when something is up. You know, I've been applying for this. Every time I get close, it, they take it away from me or my need to fast. And listen, you are correct. But if that is the only reason you fast, you are not growing. You are, I'm telling you now, you are not growing. You are not growing. Praise the Lord. And then number two is routine, which is actually where I want to spend a lot of time today. Because you see, what you do with desire is routine. When you have desire, you apply that desire towards routine. And there are five things that you must routinely do as a Christian if you are going to go. Number one, prayer. You couldn't have guessed. Number one is what? You know, before I talk about prayer, Galatians chapter 5 tells us that the flesh is warring against the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. Put it up on the screen, please. It says, I say then, walk by the spirit, and you will not carry out what? You will not carry out what? So let me tell you something. Whether you know it or not, you have one of two desires. Is it that you have the desires of the spirit, or you have the desires of the flesh? 
If you are not given to the desires of the spirit, you are given to the desires of the flesh. If you are not given to the desires of the flesh, you are given to the desires of... Do you get it? Yes. There's no middle ground. It is either or. He says, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill or carry out the desires of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Listen. Any Christian theology that teaches you that just do what you want, what you want is what God wants, has lied to you. Do you follow me? Because you have flesh. Your flesh is in sin. There is sin in your body. Amen. For those, if you doubt me, this last week as you were fasting, your body was consistently telling you to break the fast earlier than normal. There is sin in your body. So the spirit of God desires what is against the flesh. The flesh desires what is against the spirit. And the reason why God set it up that way is so that you don't give in to that sinful nature. Because at the end of the sinful nature is death. Listen, a lot of people think that these things are just high sounding philosophies. Look at the world today. If the West, the westernization or the Western culture has proven anything to us, it is this. That if you leave people to do what they want, they will run mad. They will. So you start hearing crazy things like, don't call them babies. They don't yet know what gender they are. Call them babies. When they grow, they will tell you whether they are male, female, or otherwise. But do you know how silly that sounds? Like there's science. Is it you are a man or you are a woman? This is not even religion now. This science. XY chromosomes. We are taught, but you all learned them, right? Yes. Do you realize that they might have to rewrite science textbooks because of this? And so the one thing that even atheists and religious people are like agreed was universal. Scientific laws are no longer universal. When you leave man to follow his desires to the uttermost, he will run mad. So there's something called birth rape. Oh Lord, what is that? It is the feeling that people have because they were not they didn't ask to be born. So they seek compensation. I tell you, the spirit wars against the flesh. The flesh wars against, so that you don't do what you want. Because if they allow you, you go crazy. So what was Paul's admonition? He said, walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the rest of the flesh. 18. He says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So take note here, that being led by the Spirit does not refer to direction, but it refers to living by the Spirit against the flesh. Which means that your desires can be conditioned if you learn how to live by the Spirit. Do you follow what I'm saying? And living by the Spirit is not mystical. It's based on routine. Is based on routine. 
Listen, some of you that have started out in this journey, you know what I'm saying. There are periods when you just know that, ah, I've not prayed in a while and it shows. I'm angry anyhow. I just, they, I they misbehave anyhow. There are periods you just know, I haven't prayed in a while. I, I can feel it. I can feel the effect of not praying. So you must make prayer routine. Listen, you haven't really learned how to pray until you learn how to pray when you don't feel like. Prayer must become routine in your life. I remember two nights ago, I'd gone to bed. I didn't pray. I prayed that day, but I didn't pray personal prayers. I was praying for other things. So I was about to sleep. I put my head down to sleep. And then the Holy Spirit said, get up and go and pray. This was like 1 a.m. I said, go and pray. By this time, I'll pray in the morning. He said, no, get up now and go and pray. And this is the funny thing. I had written this sermon notes. So he just reminded me of the sermon notes. I said, go and pray. Don't go and be preaching and you're not praying. Go and pray. Oh, but pastor, I'm too busy. I can't find. Go and pray. Go and pray. Find time to pray. Pray. Did you eat? Did you eat that day? And go and pray. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You must listen. You must make prayer a routine. Let's let's look through scriptures. Romans chapter twelve, verse twelve. Romans twelve, twelve. Everybody read together, one, two, go. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and what? Be persistent in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Um, Luke 18, not Luke 19. Everybody read together, one, two, go. He then told them a parable on the need for them to pray how? And not become what? Which means that if you don't pray always, discouragement is at the door. Pastor, I just feel overwhelmed. Your prayer life is lacking. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I don't have the will to continue. Your prayer life is lacking. Go and pray. Because Jesus tells us here, he says, men always ought to pray First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. First Thessalonians 5, 17. This one is my favorite. It's very short and straight to the point. First Thessalonians 5, 17. Everybody together want to go. Pray without. Pray without. Now, when it says pray without season, it doesn't mean every second of every day you are praying. It would be nice if you could do that with your time in your all right. It doesn't mean every second of every day you are praying. You know how some of us, when we are praying, some of us are the most snobbish when we are praying. Somebody come and say that. So imagine you have a presentation in the office. And I say, I must pray without season. And I say, So how about the. We'll fire you immediately. 
What does he mean by pray without ceasing? It means let there be a consistent, regular schedule of prayer that doesn't end. You understand? And you keep to it. It's intermittent prayer. You know, some people, in a bid to motivate you to pray, they will say, rear up a prayer altar, set a time, and know that when you set the time, God is waiting for you at the prayer altar. If you don't come and pray, then you kept God. It's not true. He lives in you. Do you understand? Whatever time you decide to pray, you have his attention. Do you understand? God doesn't apportion time. He doesn't say, okay, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., um, I'll give it to Adora because that's why she said we'll be praying. Um, peace, on the other hand, I'll give her 7 to 7.30 because that's when she said we'll pray. But between, after those times, I'm not hearing. That's not true. Do you understand? Ah, so, have prayer structure. Listen, your prayer structure doesn't have to be I will pray between 8 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. every day. Your prayer structure can be I must put in one hour of prayer every day, aside from devotion. So, whether I pray one hour straight, or I pray 15 minutes four times, or 10 minutes six times, I must put in one hour of prayer every day. Or have prayer structure. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, have a prayer structure and keep to it. If you win, if you miss yesterday's own, add it to today. Pray the two hours. I'm serious. This will help you in no small way. A lot of people, listen, the bridge between knowledge, spiritual knowledge, and action is prayer. I'm telling you, if the devil has held you under condemnation, so you know, Serious condemnation. You have heard that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have been condemned. You know all of that. You've heard it before. You can, you can preach it to everybody, but when you make a mistake, you cannot help yourself out of the condemnation. I will show you a excellent way. You know that scripture you know. Open it. Read it to yourself. Close it. Paste the floor. Pray it. I promise you, it will settle in your spirit and it will consolidate. I'm telling you the truth. The bridge between spirit and soul is prayer. So if you don't have a prayer structure, you will consistently find yourself walking in contradictions. I know that I don't have anger in my spirit, but I can't help myself. I get angry too often. The problem is prayer hasn't linked your spirit to your soul on that matter. Pastor, I know that I should, my life does not consist in the abundance of things that I own, but I can't help myself but feel like I am less when I don't have enough money. Go and pray. Go and pray. Spend time praying. It will change you. Prayer changes men. Ah, it does. It does. It makes better men out of men. So when these people are giving you instructions like this, pray without ceasing, there's a reason. You get why? Open your Bible. So Ephesians 6, 11 to 19. Let's start from verse 10. Are you there? It says, finally, 
Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the... So for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of this evil, of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to do what? Resist in the evil day. Listen, I don't know what you have been taught, but see, the evil day is not one particular day. The evil day is every day without God. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us to redeem the times because the days are evil. The times are evil. And so you live in an evil world. Your only hope is what he describes here as the whole armor of God. Do you hear me? You live, let me tell you, you live in an evil world. How do you want to go through this life without prayer? You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm most afraid of now is this, is going through what is trending on Twitter. You know how before you just go through Twitter and go to your search bar and check what is trending. Do you know that there's almost no subject that is trending that when I click, I don't see a new picture on that. It's very, very disturbing. Pastor Chris is trending. Pastor Chris, I mean, it's Pastor, it's, it's Pastor Chris. And then I'm seeing pornography on. So, not safe. Do you understand? And any Tom, Dick, and Harry can open a Twitter account. So, here, in fact, I wanted to report because I wanted to report one of such accounts. All right, because somebody liked the thing to my timeline. And I wanted to report the account. And then when they asked me, why are you reporting it? I said, it's sensitive media. And then on this, they now ask you what kind of... And I said, it's pornographic. And Twitter said, we allow for certain types of pornographic. But it's there on Twitter. It's, on, it's in their policy. As long as it's not posted in a public space. <laughs> and so... Here you have a believer who he is trying his best because growing up he struggled with the pornography, he's trying his best to come out of it, and he's going and he doesn't have prayer life. Ah. It will affect you badly. I'm telling you. Some of you know. Some of the things you read online, you you did not consciously internalize any of them. Is that true? You didn't. For one day, when you are in that situation, you find out that your mind is operating according to something you did. In fact, when you probably read it, you scoffed at it <laughs> and dismissed it. Three weeks later, your mind is like, for here, ah, this is what we have chosen to believe now. This is why prayer is very important. This is why prayer culture is very important. Because some of those things, before, there's a way the Holy Spirit will just take his time to work on your mind if you're a prayerful person. 
And here's another interesting fact. You are more prone to recognizing the leading of the Spirit if you're a prayerful person. Because you'll be more used to his voice. You'll be more used to his promptings. Praise the Lord. He says that the reason we are taking on this whole armor of God is that we may be able to resist in the evil day. The times are evil. The times are evil. Prayer is your only safety net. So you can now see that prayerlessness is an act of pride. Because what you are doing is you are telling God that I'm, I'm fine. Look at me now. I'm not that bad. I'm not doing bad. I'm not doing bad without you. You will spend time praying. You will make it a culture. It's not for a select type of people, spiritual people. No. Prayer is for me. Prayer is for you. Do you hear me? Yes. You will make it a culture. I know you have done Sunday service today. Still pray today. Your one hour is not exempted from Sunday. You know there's a way we do Sunday. We now say, I went to church now. No. Your one hour still counts. Today still counts. Pray. Praise the Lord. Number two, studying the word. Studying the word. Of course, First Peter 2, 2 that we read says, as newborn babes desire sincerely the milk of the word that you might grow thereby. You see, why studying the word is important is this. The word of God tells you, or let me put it like this. The word of God gives you a picture of what you are trying to mold yourself into. Do you understand? The word of God gives you a picture of who you are to be. When, when, my, when I have grown spiritually, what should I look like? The word of God gives you a picture of that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. So something like um, prayer, for instance, must be done on the principles of the word. In fact, um, the word of God must form your vocabulary in the place of prayer. Do you hear what I'm saying? The word of God, it, it must form your vocabulary. The way you talk when you pray must be conditioned by the word. Have you, seen, have you seen people who are very prayerful but very wicked? In, in university, I had this lecturer, God bless his soul. He was a pastor. He was prayerful. Oh my God, he was extremely wicked. I'm not saying wicked because he was strict. I'm saying wicked because he looked for ways to fail students. I mean, the boy who was under his project supervision... Um, he gave the guy a topic. The guy was a genius. I mean that. In, I'm not exaggerating. And then immediately the guy saw the topic. He told the man, this is not possible in chemical engineering. Let's just skip to another topic. The man said, don't worry, engineer. Just do it. And the way project is, if it does not work, then you just explain to us why it did not work. He still, it doesn't have to work for it to be correct. We said, okay. The boy ran his project topic from first semester to the middle of second semester came to conclusion that this thing doesn't work, submitted the reports to the man and said, ah, it doesn't work. 
Let me change your topic. And he changed the boy's topic. This was, I think, three weeks to defense, or two weeks to defense, chemical engineering. No? <laughs> changed the boy's topic, asked him to make something. Of course, he couldn't meet up. On the day of the project defense, the boy got up. He was explaining, oh, this, is, this was my first topic. We ran it to this point, and my topic was changed two weeks ago. The man said, you are a liar. You are not serious. He's a pastor. Prayerful man. <laughs> so, if the Christian life is not standing on the two pillars of prayer and the word, it will be lopsided. Do you understand? Yes. It will be lopsided. The boy got his C in his project. He was on, he was on the first class throughout and got his C. You know what? This in his C does to you. Takes you from first class to two one. Got to see in the project. And so, the word of God must form the vocabulary that you use in the place of prayer. It must form your vocabulary. Full stop. How do you answer people the word of God? How do you think the word of God? Do you get it? Yes. Be careful when you meet anybody that says, leave the Bible, that one is Bible, this one is real life. That person is seeking your doom. Praise the Lord. The word of God will form your thought patterns. It will form, listen, um, David says, your word, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my, so it is, it is in your word that I see. Do you get what I'm saying? 50% of your leading-based questions are answered in the world. I'm telling you. I can even increase the number from 50 to 80. Some prayers, you are praying to God. Should I choose this or should I choose that? But the word of God has already answered it. So you come, you create a study structure that counts. Listen to messages, study the word of God, make sure that the Bible becomes, it becomes, let the Bible be your most consulted material. Do you hear me? Because, listen, I told you, prayer is the bridge between what is in your spirit and what is in your soul. The problem is this. Many times, there's nothing in your soul. Your mind is empty. And so even when you try to bridge what is in your spirit to what is in the soul, there's nothing to bridge it with. And so you find an emptiness in some people's spirit. They are prayerful. You can tell. But you start to wonder, where is the compassion? Is that true? Why is this person wicked? I mean, you go to certain places, it's a Sunday morning like this, somebody comes up to share a testimony, and the person's testimony is, praise the Lord, last week I wanted to enter a bus, somebody came, he pushed me down from the bus, entered the bus, but as God will have it. Five minutes later, we were driving by, and we saw that that bus had an accident. How is it God that had it? Now you ask yourself, why are they thinking like this? The church is a prayerful church. 
Why are they thinking this way? The word of God is missing. Do you understand? Because if the word of God had conditioned their minds, they would, the testimony wouldn't be as God will have. In fact, it wouldn't be a testimony. Do you understand? Ah, yes. You can find people who are very prayerful, but will go through one trying time. And the trying time will pass. And then you will hear things like, I don't believe in God anymore. Why? Because the word of God was missing. If there is no word for the Spirit to act on, nothing will be created. Do you get it? Yes. The combination from the beginning of time has always been the Spirit and the word. So when I pray, there must be the word for the prayer to act on. So I know that I'm praying, God teach me to be patient, but I must also glean patience from the word of God. There's a reason why when it was time to do a relationship series, we started by teaching you on the love of God. Because listen, you cannot truly love like God loves if you don't know how he loved. If your, if your mindset about God's love is cars and money and houses, you will have a very faulty relationship life. You get yes. And so, if you will grow spiritually, the pillars must stand together. Prayer and God's word. Number three, fellowship. Number three is what? I have so much to say on this one. You see fellowship? It's like the devil knows that because we have overflowed prayer and the word. And he knows he cannot really attack those two like that again. So the one he's now attacking well is fellowship. Yesterday I was talking with my friend Pastor Nelson. He was in my house. And we're just talking about how a lot of churches in the United States are closing down. I mean, a church of about 6,000 people now doesn't sit more than 300 people. 300. Why? A pandemic, online meeting, all of those things. For you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to verse 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In the apostles' doctrine and what? And in breaking of bread and in prayers. Next verse. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Next verse. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. All that believed were what? All that believed were what? All that believed were what? Together. Listen, God's strategy for the growth of the church is oneness. Do you get what I'm saying? Starting from Acts chapter 2, they were gathered in one accord in the upper room. That was the beginning of Acts 2. At the end of Acts 2, all that believed were together. The devil's strategy is isolate and conquer. God's strategy is grow together. Do you hear me? 
All that believed were together and had all things in common. Next, the next verse. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Next verse. He says, and they continuing what? Continuing what? With one accord where? Which means that every day they met. Is that correct? Good. Because one particular man that freezes his name will come out and tell you that the Old Testament Testament church, the early church did not meet in temples. Are you seeing it in the Bible now? It is God's strategy for us to meet. In fact, Sunday is not enough. The early church met how? Uh Not once every week. They met daily. Uh, It says they met daily, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So when they leave the temple, they visit one another. This was a lifestyle built around fellowship. Do you get me? So for instance, when we say that we are a family of believers or a circle of believers growing other believers, this is what we are talking about. This is it. The devil's strategy is to isolate and conquer. You say that nonsense, you'd always say, I don't want to disturb anybody. I just like you are the devil is talking to you. Disturb us is the reason why God brought us to your life. When you are going through a tough time, talk to someone. When you are going through a good time, talk to someone. When your prayer life is on fire, talk to someone. When your prayer life is not on fire, talk to someone. When you make a mistake, talk to someone. When you don't make any mistake, make sure that you have fellowship at all times. Make sure. It's God's strategy for your growth. Because, listen, like idols audition. You know, you see some people come out and audition for idols and you're like, this person's friends not talk to them before they... Many of your spiritual lives are like that. Angels are just wondering. Uh-uh. So now you're sleeping around. You don't have friends. Nobody warned you. You're just, we're done. So when you see, when you see a believer who fell so far and you're now wondering how did he amass, you know, like the prophet Nathan said to David that the things you have done, they are so bad. That he is, they're like, uh-uh, OG. So you hear some stories that some men of God or some Christians do, you're like, ah! Nobody got there in one day. It started with isolation. That's where it started from. Show me a person that tells you that they can do without the church. And one year later, I'll show you a backsliding Christian. I can prove it 10 times out of 10. One year later, I will show you a backsliding Christian. I can do it without the church. It's just between me and God. Even God does not think it's between you and him. Else, he wouldn't have given you ministry gifts. He wouldn't have given... The Bible tells us that the body grows by that which every joint supplies. Everybody must supply. That's the way it was meant to happen. Be very careful of any kind of teaching or theology that tells you that it is okay to isolate or remove yourself from fellowship and even the gathering of saints. As often as you can, make sure, listen, make sure that you gather with the saints. First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. 
1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, how is it then, brethren, when you do what? When you do what? Okay. So it's not that he was sending psalms, uh, doctrine, tongue, and revelation by letter. Was it by letter? No. He says, when you come together, each one has a psalm. Is it okay to edify your brethren over the phone? Yes. But there must be a coming together. It must happen frequently. It's the Bible way. Why, why, why do we even have to go to church? She better have the same Holy Ghost with the pastor. Is it not the same Holy Ghost that made that person your pastor? Was God stupid? <laughs> Acts 27. Acts 27. Acts 20, verse 7. Acts 20, verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples did what? To do what? Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. They came together on the first day of the week to break bread, and Paul took time to preach to them. So take note, listen. I know that we can argue that so many of the practices that we have in the body of Christ today are not actually the way they were done in the early church. But you see the way we meet in church? This is how they did it. Do you hear me? Yes. They came together to break bread, to fellowship with one another. Do you get it? And then somebody will stand up and preach to everyone. And it wasn't just any random person. The ministry gifts. So Paul took time and it wasn't one hour service or two hours of service. Be very careful. I don't know how churches that have one hour service do it. Where's the time for the word? Where do you have time to pray? Where? Why do you think people came to church? To hear testimonies? To listen to the choir sing? All of those things are just good. They are to condition your mind for the word. Do you hear me? So let me tell you, if we had just one hour to do service, maybe something happened, and we had one hour, you will come from the first minute, you will see me up here, praise the Lord, open your Bibles, let's, let's go straight to the Word. That's the way it's supposed to be done. He said, he preached to them, um, unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech late into the night. We have a culture of meeting together for prolonged periods. Yes, it is true that because of the civilization we live in now, we may not be able to do it the way they did it. Because then, their lives were intertwined. So, um, you have one who sells fish, you have another one who does that and who does this, and all of them lived around where they worked. So, they, they did everything together, worked together, sell together, but now, you work in Access Bank, I work in UB, both of them are fighting with each other. Just imagine now, when so we're all Christians from Access Bank. Let's go to UB and do money devotion. We'll fight you. <laughs> right? So it might not be possible to have it the way they had it, but we must try our best to come close. That's the reason, and this is the only reason we organize camp meetings every year. Do you get it? 
Yes, this is why we organize camp meetings. A period where we will come together and for a prolonged period of time, we are listening to the word of God, praying and fellowshipping. If you neglect it, you are in trouble. Do you hear me? Acts chapter 13, verse 42 to 44. Acts chapter 13, verse 42 to 44. It says, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them the next Sabbath. And now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God, verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came, how many people? How many people? It says, came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Finally, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Everybody look up. Look to the screen. Read Hebrews 10, 25 together. One, two, go. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. He says, not forsaking. We shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. Amen. Online church is great, but it's not the same. Do you hear me? It is great, but it is not. Have you come to church downcast, weary, and then the person taking open prayer starts to pray? Did not mention anything happening to you, but you just feel a surge of energy go through your body. It's worship time, and you abandon yourself in the place of worship. And all the worries of the week, it's like in that place of worship, everything just dropped, and you felt peace. Physical gatherings are God's plan for his church. The reason why we have cameras standing there is because we have online meetings. There are people online who are listening. Some of them cannot be here. But what be you if you have the opportunity to be here, but you say, I cannot come. You know, I'm tired now. You don't know what you are doing to yourself. And let me just tell you, there are protocols to follow for, for the local church. There is a way to belong to a local church. Listen, you can be in a local church and the ministry of that local church will be unfruitful in your life. A lot of people take things that the pastor say as suggestion. That's his own opinion. Nice idea. Good idea, bro. And so, nothing preached affects you. Nothing that they say affects you. Your life is just continuing the same way every day. But you say, I'm a member of that. You are not. Do you hear me? I want you to take membership seriously. I want you to take the local church seriously. Some pillar to post. You are hopping from one church to the other. You are a member of this church. We see this person is doing meeting. You are there. This one is doing meeting. You are there. How many gym instructors do you want to have? How many, how many fathers do you want to have? You know this was a problem in the early church. In Corinth, it was a problem. 
came to Corinth, preached to Corinth, saved Corinth. But Apollos came. Apollos was a very good, he was, he was, he was very um, charismatic. He knew how to speak. He was a great orator. And so, you know, there are preachers that day. They can talk to you for 10 hours and you won't get tired. Yeah, Apollos was one of them. Great orator. And then a lot of them now started to divide themselves. And for Paul and for Apollos, Paul said something. He said, hear this, you have one father. You have many teachers, but one father. That's the only way the ministry of the local church can be, can be effective in your life. A lady came to meet me the other day. She messaged me. That pastor, I want you to mentor me. I've seen those messages too many times. And, you know, when I first started ministry, I used to be excited when I said, oh, I would love to mentor you, be an honor. And it still is. But now when you ask me, to, I will ask you, what does mentorship mean to you? Okay, so she said she would like me to mentor her. I said, okay, that's great. I said, um, what church do you go to? She says, living faith. I said, what's the name of your pastor? She said, Joshua Selman. So I... <laughs> I got confused. I got very confused. I said, is there a Joshua Selman that is a pastor in living faith? Because how do you attend living faith? Joshua Selman is your pastor and Poco is your mentor. Bearing in mind that the three of us have different teaching styles. How? 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 So, so, correct you? How do I properly pastor you? Praise the Lord. I put up a tweet yesterday and I said that until the principles of Bible study are universal, Bible truth will be subjective. And if Bible truth is subjective, it means that everybody can have an opinion of what the Bible says. And the Bible is a holy book, but it's still a literary device. And like every other literary device, no two contradicting opinions about it can be correct. So you see this thing that people do, where they treat every pastor as if everything every pastor is saying is, is wrong. Not every pastor is saying what is correct. I'm sorry. Um, one charlatan was on Twitter the other day, Toby Adebuega. I'm calling his name very openly because he's a charlatan. Toby Adebuega was on Twitter spraying money on um, David o. And then I went on his page to see what he was teaching and he said the world does not need theology. The world does not need a new doctrine. The world does not need healings. What the world needs is leaders for here. The ones we have, what have they done? Do you not see that at the base of all the problems of man is one thing. Man is wicked. How dare you? Are you a pastor? And you have church members. The problem is your church members don't know how to pick a church. Because if they knew, they wouldn't be there. So they're like, that's his own revelation. His revelation is wrong, sir. I can say that not because of my own ideas, but because there is a Bible. An objective study of the Bible will reveal the truth. Let's stop that thing where we say his own idea, my own idea, he might be, both of you can be wrong. It's just depending on how you look at it. It's not true. It's not true. Somebody will say, you know that me, uh, we'll draw the number six on the floor. And I say it can be six or nine. 
depending on what. So imagine if that was the last digit you bought a credit and there are 15 digits. Then the last digit cuts and fell on the floor. Then it's now six upside down, nine. Will it work either way? Only one will work, Abby. Yes. Which tells you that truth must be objective for it to count. Stop, listen, stop hopping about. Stop it. It's not healthy for you. Some of you treat pastors like you treat candy. You pick one up, you don't like it, you drop, the, you drop it and take another one. Or you pick one up, I'm still eating it, but I want to taste something else. So you drop it. And that's how a lot of people get into error. That's how a lot of people get into error. Itchy ears, that's what Paul calls them. They're looking for someone to tell them what they want to hear. A lady came to my house the other day, and I was showing her how that the doctrine of scripture is Christ and Christ alone. And she was saying, so you can't, so there's no, because I want to be rich. I want to have stupid money that I don't know what I'm using. I'm saying, if that's what you are looking for, you are in the wrong place. Does God bless? Yes. Does he prosper? Yes. But is that why he sent his son to die for you? Emphatically, no. So somebody like that will hear me speak now and say, this pastor, what you're saying is nice. You go and look for someone that will tell me what I want to hear. You ruin your life. There is a way, listen, there is a way the local church was designed to run. The Bible says that the, the household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles. It says uh, that is on the doctrine, on the foundation of the doctrine of the apostles is Christ Jesus as its cornerstone, which means that any good church that must be built must be built on the foundation of what the apostles taught about Christ alone. If this sounds foreign to you, welcome to a good church. Do you hear me? Good. And listen, a lot of people will say, all these pastors are always shouting about doctrine. No power. You know say power day and power day. We just did a miracle service. Power everywhere. Listen, the preaching of the truth does not negate the flow of power. So power is not a reason to choose a church. Power is cheap. He gave it cheaply. In fact, my goal is that one of these miracle services I won't be the one. You'll be people. That's the plan. That you won't need to call pastor for every problem. You can handle it. Ah, but you see doctrine. You must be very petty. Listen. Christian doctrine is too important for you to treat it the way you've been treating it. So you see, some people... You're a member of Circle Church. But on a Sunday morning, I was tired this morning, so I didn't go to church. So you streamed half of Celebration Church. I love Celebration Church. You know I do. Pastor Aaron is my pastor. But he's not your pastor. There's a difference. I'm the one that was given for your training. Do you understand this? You better learn it. You better learn it. Because... Here's the interesting thing. My wife and I were talking about this. You have a lot of people who have experienced. I'm a pastor. Can I, can I speak freely? Yes, I have a lot of people who left this church, went to join Celebration Church. They have a problem and you're calling me. I'm not your pastor. 
Call your pastor. Or call the... There's a structure in the church you're going back. But don't... Not people are greedy. So, you live here because probably we don't have the pizzas that you're looking for. Go where you have the pizzas. Then, but because Poco, Poco, they... Poco, so you're calling... Why are you calling me? I have people that need my attention. I'll, I'll give them the time first. This is the problem. A lot of people don't understand that this is how discipleship works. Every pastor knows those who are truly listening and following, and they give attention to them first. So when you are complaining that it's like, my pastor is partial, he is. <laughs> Do you hear me? He is. He's a man. He's not God. Only God can listen to everybody at the same time. But as long as it's two years I have, and one brain, I'm partial. And I will pay attention to those that follow. Do you get it? Because even you, you are partial. It's not for your friends you give advice to. Is it true? Yes. Yeah, because there are some that treat your advice like suggestions. You finish advising them that this person is not good enough for you. Then you now become their next topic of conversation in the relationship. From such people, what do you do? The next time they come and ask you for advice, you say, hmm. Me, I don't know, but whatever you choose to do, I trust your judgment. I'm telling you that this is the way I pastor a lot of you. I'm saying I'm coming clean now. So for those of you that have wondered, it's like, Poco is fast. I am. And it's not because I love some more than I love others. It's because I know that some will listen more. I would not expend energy on people who will not. Do you get it? That's how the local church should be run. You are here. You have three pastors. Why you? Why you? And the three of them don't know each other. They're not in the same church. Why you? Repent, oh. Because the day is, the three pastors, they are looking at you. And one day, peace is your pastor. The next day, Adora is your pastor. The third day, Lady Antonia is your pastor. Lady Antonia has heard you talk about Adora. Adora has heard you talk about peace. So none of them claims you as a member of their church. So you're just hanging in the middle. Fatherless. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Repent. There is a way to belong to a local church. You know, one day I put up a tweet. I said, if your pastor treated your local church the way you treat it, many of you will hate the church. Just imagine if today I just woke up and I'm like, hi. This week has been really stressful. Or oh, you don't think pastors have stressful weeks? Pastors have very stressful weeks. So this week has been really, really stressful. I don't, I will stream online today. How you see her? <laughs> I'll just be like, ah! CCI is doing Holy Ghost series. Or more power, but I'm going to CCI today. So I'm not here. And then Sunday morning, your pastor is not in church. Then CCI should release pictures. And I love celebration church. You know I do. CCI should release pictures. You now see your pastor in CCI lifting up holy hands for you of not in church. <laughs> it's funny, ba? Yes, that's how funny it is when I see you doing the same thing. Sunday morning, we didn't see you. Where were you? Nobody, nobody is responsible for your growth because nobody knows where you really are. It's dangerous. 
It's dangerous to be that person. Do you hear me? Listen, there is a way I talk to people. See, if you really understand the role of pastoring in the Bible, you will know that it goes beyond preaching on a Sunday morning. You shouldn't travel without your pastor knowing. You shouldn't. Do you get what I'm saying? You shouldn't. There are certain things that you ought not to do. One young man, he calls me his pastor. He now messaged me the other day. That, so my visa is almost ready. So that was the first conversation we were having on visa. I'm like, visa to where? Why? What's going on? And it's not like when you tell me you want to travel for your master's, I'll say no. But I just need to know so I can pray about it. So you now go, things are not working. You're telling me to pray to change the situation where you shouldn't have been there in the first place. Why are you putting me in that situation? Why? 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 Why do you want to punish me? Why? What did I do to you? A lot of people don't know this, what they do to their pastors. So you come up, you decide by yourself, I'm going to marry this person. Then you go and marry. Your pastor did not know. In fact, the only conversation was when it was time to marry. Say, Pastor, see the person I'm marrying. Your pastor didn't have a say in the matter. There was no period of who is he, what does he do, or what does she do. None of that happened. And you now married. Two of you are now fighting every day. Pastor, come and say, why, why, are you, why, why are you involving me? Why, why now? Why now? What should I do? And so there are people who you meet me with a problem and I don't know where you stand. I don't know if I can talk to you. So I'll just look at you and say, well, this is what me I think, Sha. There are some of you that know. I will, I'll try, some people you are in relationships. I look at the relationship. You are complaining every day. It's the same fight. I'll just call you and say, see, I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. You know I love you. Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing is your best interest. End this relationship. And I can do that because I know that you trust my judgment. And I trust you to trust me. But if I tell you to, I will trend on Twitter. And I don't want to trend. Do you? I don't. So, I, so when you just meet your, see, every relationship can work if you just give it the right amount of time and communication. <laughs> You're neither here nor there. When you belong to a local church, belong, be here. Amen. Amen. Good. Join a workforce, if, join a work unit if you can. If you can't, still be committed. You understand? Yes. Let us count on seeing you on a Sunday morning. Let it be. You know, there are some of you that if I don't see you on Sunday morning, I don't bother to call. I don't bother to call because it's normal. Let me say you call normally. You know the... So now you did not come. I'm like, okay. But as a that if I don't see them, I'm like, uh-uh. Are you okay? Is everything fine? Because I didn't see you. Choose where you will be. There is a way to be a member of a local church. Do you hear me? And your local church is part of God's strategy for your growth. Remember, I told you, your local church is part of God's strategy for your growth. So there is a way to be a member of the church, how to participate, what to do. It's not all about money. Do you hear me? It's not all about money. Some people think that, oh, yeah, if they really want you, if you really want you, have to spend money. That's not what, no, that's not what they're asking you for. How much are you giving? Sorry, but with all due respect, how much? 
it really is more about making sure that the labor of the pastor is effective in your life. There are some of you till now. I, I appreciate the way you follow. I, I am free to pastor you. And that's a good thing. It's a problem when a father cannot father his own children because he's afraid of how the children will respond, respond to his fatherhood. Some of you, you put up something online and I take it and show you and say, this is not correct. Don't do this. Hmm? Put this down. Trust me. And you may not see how we bo- now, 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 now. How many of you in the last few weeks or months, you thought back to the fact that you went to university and you appreciated the fact that your parents made you do it? Raise your hand. You just realized, I wasn't smart enough to know what I wanted. And I, I'm thankful that they made me go through school. Or some of you, it's not that they made you go through school, it's that they allowed you to choose. And then you are thankful because they trusted your judgment. But the one thing you are thankful is their initiative on how to parent you. Some of you, we can't talk to you. We can't tell. You just do it. They come and tell us that you have done it. Okay, after you have told me, what should I do next? I can't do anything. I will just wish you well now. So many, it has happened so many. In fact, it's now, there's a statement in my head. Some people just travel. They're from abroad. They're not saying it's pastor of life. When did you leave? <laughs> so when you tell me you've learned, I say, I wish you well. The Lord bless you. He prospers you. You will not, I've prayed for you. Because we didn't have a conversation about this before you left. You just did what you wanted to do. Listen, let me tell you something. Spiritual growth is not a mystery. And it's not, it's not difficult to achieve. You see the things I've taught you this morning? That's how anybody grows spiritually. Number one is what? Prayer. Number two is what? Studying the word. Number three is what? See these three things I've taught you? Everybody goes by this, including me. Including me. There are times when I... I my, I know that I need people to pray with. I call friends. The fact, the reason why Pastor Nelson was in my house yesterday was that he came to pray with me. I have to pull over. Let us pray. Let's spend time praying. Before I got married, when I could afford to, I would take an entire weekend. I would, I would go to Ikorudu, and that entire weekend, me and my friends would spend time praying, fellowship. Till today, my pastor can call me at any time, and I will drop what I'm doing and go and answer. Um, the next Sunday after this next week, I'm going to talk about honor. You see, honor is lacking massively in the body of Christ. It's funny. It's funny. I saw a pastor tweeted something. She now responded to it. Me, I'm a member of this church, but on this matter, pastor, you are following my hand. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to follow you. Even if the pastor was wrong, I'm not teaching about nothing. Even if he was wrong, that's a conversation that should happen in the DMs. Hello, sir, you, you said this. Can we talk about it? I think it's not correct. It's okay to say your pastor is not correct because your pastor is a human being. He can be wrong. But then when you now come online 
and open the front. I think you are falling my hand. Sorry, man. No vex. I didn't mean to fall your hand. Number four. I'm not going to talk about it today because there's no time. I'm actually wrapping up now. Number four is what I have called money, mammon, and your heart. Money. Mammon. Mammon is spelled M-A-M-M-O-N. Money, mammon, and your heart. I'm not going to... I'm, I'm, in fact, this is what I'm teaching next week. All right? This is the topic of next week's um, service. Money, mammon, and your heart. But let me just speak to why it's important. Randy Alcorn said that money is a spiritual stethoscope. You know what the stethoscope is? Yeah. The stethoscope is that thing that doctors, that earpiece that they usually wear to check the state of your heart. That's what a stethoscope is. Randy Alcorn said money is a spiritual stethoscope. It tells us the state of your heart. It does. Many of you know what I'm saying. Money introduces you to yourself. The real you. Amen. There are some temptations that before you had money, you never understood why people fell for them. Their money entered your hand. Now you could afford to fund those temptations. That money is now revealing the state of Do you get it? Yes. We'll talk about it next week. The believer's response to money. It's, you will now see why the prosperity gospel is so because it does the opposite of what the Holy Spirit is trying to achieve. The Holy Spirit is trying to teach you contentment through prosperity. The gospel is teaching you next level. There is a ne- for every level, there is a devil and there is a next level. Brother, you have been here for too long. Move on. Move on. Come up either. You have been driving a Toyota. The Lord wants you to drive bent. We'll talk about it next week. Praise the Lord. I want you to pray a prayer. Father, the strength and the wisdom to submit to spiritual growth I receive in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and pray. The strength and the wisdom to submit to spiritual growth I receive. Father, help me. The desire to grow. Lord, birth in me a hunger for you. I want you to pray this one. Birth in me a hunger for you. Birth in me, in my heart. Birth in me a hunger for you. Birth in my spirit a hunger for you. In the name of Jesus. Birth in me a hunger, a hunger for you. A thirst that cannot be quenched by material things or by the validation of men or by social standing. Let there be a thirst in my heart for the things of God. In the name of Jesus, birth in me a hunger for you. Help me to fix my eyes on you alone, Jesus. to fix my eyes on you alone Jesus in Jesus name we have prayed 
In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, as a church, we open up ourselves up to you, Jesus. And for long we have chased after materials. We have chased after the things that you have provided. We have chased after the things that you can provide. And we have defined our relationship with you according to those things and those things alone. But we pray that, Lord, from here on going forward, let our eyes be fixed on you alone. Give us such a desire and thirst and hunger for you that cannot be quenched by material things and cannot be quenched by validation or social standing in the name of Jesus. Help us to look to you alone for our definition of who we are in the name of Jesus. Give us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to grow spiritually. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.